PFF now has an app. Get access to industry-leading fantasy football advice, PFF's exclusive betting dashboards, the latest premium football analysis all in the palm of your hand. When you sign up, leave us a five-star review with your 2022 Super Bowl prediction and final score, and we'll share the best ones on the show. Will we actually share the best ones on the show? I, uh, I'm just reading the ad here, but that, uh, I guess we will. We'll share the best ones on the show. What is up? Welcome into this Thursday edition of Talk and Ball Draft Focused Edition. We haven't done a ton of NFL draft stuff. I am the lead draft analyst. That is kind of my job. I should talk more about it. You guys are going to get a lot of draft content here. We got my first mock draft of the season. We're going to run through all 31 picks, not 32. Dolphins really boning us there on that. Going to go PVOOs here. We got takes of the week. We got a little would you rather. We got first round locks. And at the end of the show, the athletics, Dane Brugler, the draft analyst for the athletic. Well worth the price of subscription of an athletic subscription just for his content. My athletic subscription is pretty much solely for his and Bruce Feldman's content. That, that is, I, I'm not sure I've read an article. Okay, that's unfair. I, I've read other people's articles on the athletic, but like that is my go to. I'm reading all their stuff at the athletic. So, Make sure you guys stick around for that. Like I said, a lot on tap today from a draft perspective. So let's get right into the mock draft. First mock draft of the season. And again, I, I came out, gets posted on Twitter. People lose their minds over the order. Folks, it is determined by Super Bowl odds. Super Bowl odds. I am not hating your team. I give a shit how, they order, how I order the 31 picks, 32 picks, usually. But 31 picks this year because the Dolphins lost their pick with the tampering thing. I give a shit how. This is the easiest way to do it. The most, I'd say, fair way is Super Bowl odds. So when you come chirping, it's purely based off of what BetMGM says. It should be their, their chance to win the Super Bowl. Are. So we'll kick it off with the number one overall pick, Houston Texans. I have them going CJ Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback. Personally, Bryce Young's still number one on the PFF draft board. Bryce Young is graded out better this season than CJ Stroud. But I do think NFL Valerie is going to covet Stroud, the size, the pocket passing, more so than Bryce Young. And it honestly just comes back down to the size. Six foot 194 versus 6'2", 6'3", 215. That's it. Like one, one guy fits the bill of what's succeeded at the NFL level for the mass, vast majority of NFL history. So Houston Texans, Davis Mills obviously not done enough to make me forego the quarterback position. They're going C.J. Stroud number one overall. Not too much to debate there. Like, I, I think Stroud and Young are both very well worth the number one overall pick. I, I think they're the only two right now that I would say, I'm drafting. I have the number one overall pick. Need a quarterback. I'm drafting. And basically passing on who goes number two overall here, Seattle Seahawks, Will Anderson, defensive end from Alabama. I still think he's the first non-quarterback off the board, even if it's a team that maybe has a ton of edge talent drafting there in the top five. Seahawks do not qualify, though, as one of those teams that has a ton of edge talent. And I think we've seen enough from Geno Smith to where they might ride with him long-term. Now, he only is on a one-year deal. They'd have to sign him, extend him to do so. But leading the league completion percentage, leading the league PFF grade, Geno Smith may be the QB of the future, even though he's about turned 32 years old this weekend. At number three, had the New York Giants defensive tackle Jalen Carter from Georgia. Those are – this is chalky, you know. 
But Jalen Carter and Quinton Williams would be a fun D-line to watch. Hashtag very fun to watch. Um, not too much not too much discussed there. That, that one seems very – it's going to be Jalen Carter. It's going to be Will Anderson, first position players off the board after quarterback. I, I still feel strongly about that. Chicago Bears at number four overall. Here's where it got dicey. Here's where I had people in my mentions very upset. Bryce Young. I have him going Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama. All signs. All signs. Like, outside of the fandom of people wanting Justin Fields to succeed, all signs within the organization are, are saying that they're not sold on Justin Fields. They didn't draft him. They aren't letting him throw. You know, He has fewer completions than Cooper Cup has receptions. They are, they are not sold on Justin Fields. There's no reason to be sold on Justin Fields. If you're staring there looking at Bryce Young, you would be absolutely batshit insane, in my opinion, to say, no, we'll try to develop Fields more. If Fields plays like this the rest of the year. Now, things can turn around, sure. 14 weeks left in the season. I'm not writing anybody off. This is why it's an early mock draft. But I have Bryce Young go to the Bears at number four. Number five. And Young, despite, like, the wide receiver talent, maybe the numbers don't look as good this year. His overall grade still excellent, 91.3 on the season. He has been good. Do not get it twisted. All right, number five overall. This is where it starts to be like, this is what I think the NFL will do, not me. Not what I'd do. Will Levis, Kentucky quarterback, going to the Washington Commanders. I Hard to be sold on Carson Wentz, obviously. Carson Wentz, no, no cap, no dead cap after this year. They can cut bait with no repercussions. So if I were them, I probably would. You know, $26 million on, this, on their cap next year if, they, if he stays, $0 if you cut him. I think they're probably going to cut him or trade him or try to explore their options and get rid of him. But, yeah, Washington Commanders, Will Levis, number five overall. I'm still not sold on Levis. He's still kind of this toolsy projection, and it's worrisome when he's a fifth year. But I do think he's improved. We'll, we talk about it with Dane Brugler at the end of the show, so definitely stay tuned for that. Hear Dane's thoughts uh, on that. Number six overall, Pittsburgh Steelers. I have him going Brian Brissy, Clemson defensive tackle. Former number one overall recruit in the 2020 class. Monster. Unfortunately, he's missed a few games this year. Uh, had a sister pass away tragically. Um, so he's missed for that reason. But when he was on the football field the first three weeks, he was balling. He's different cat. And right after him, I have his line mate, Carolina Panthers, going edge defender Miles Murphy, the defensive end. Top 10 freaks list guy, Bruce Feldman. 6'5", 275, those guys are hashtag built different. That's a built different defensive line in college football, Clemson, when they're both on the football field. So, uh, all right, after that, number eight overall pick, we have another first-round guy that I've locked in here, Peter Skaronsky, the Northwestern offensive tackle. I could see teams seeing him as a guard. Uh, on the slider side, I, I don't think his arm length is going to be like 35 inches. I, I think he has shorter arms for the position. Dane even said, you know, he considered him a guard at the end of the show here. So very well could be. I do think this Falcons offensive line, what they're building, you know, we had on It's Just Football. If you're not watching It's Just Football every day, 11 to 12, we, we talked about the Falcons offensive line, their third in run blocking grade, but 22nd in pass blocking grade right now. One of the bigger differences between run pass blocking of any offensive line in the NFL. Skaronsky, two pressures all year long so far this season. 240 pass blocking snaps would be a massive upgrade at right tackle for them. Detroit Lions, number nine overall. This one's a call. This one, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this actually happening, but I have him going Tanner McKee, Stanford quarterback. Talked a little bit about 
McKee with Dane at the end of the show. I keep plugging it, but make sure you guys tune into that. I just think he is built for the NFL game. Obviously hailing from a somewhat pro-style offense in Stanford before they started doing this weird long RPO stuff where they're holding the ball and make them like copying Wake Forest, which I don't know. It's It hasn't been great for Stanford, but a lot of that's defensively too. Like He's been good on his side of the ball. Um, 80.4 overall grade this season. Not a sudden like create-on-his-own-athlete, but when he's out in space, he can run. Uh, he's not a slow guy. He's not a statue by any means. And, and I just think his what he's shown in terms of growth from last year to this year, looking much better this year in terms of avoiding bad decisions with the football. He has two turnover-worthy plays through four games, You know, only one after 15 last year. His turnover-worthy play rate has dropped from 3.9% to 1.3% this season. I... I I, I think he'll end up. I have a bet with actually Austin Gale that he ends up top 10 pick. I think he does. Um, at number 10, New England Patriots, Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon cornerback. Uh, this is a guy who's it's a big projection. It, it was tough filling out after those top eight picks, you know, Peter Skaronsky and then onward. It was tough finding guys I really liked as top 10 picks, you know, top 15 picks. Gonzalez, I put there because of, you know, Patriots need a corner and kind of, the fact that it would be a great landing spot for him is kind of a project. But if you watch the Georgia game, he wasn't ideal in that. He did not have a great game for Oregon. Now, he's rebounded since, but he's 6'2", 201 with good ball skills, real fluid athlete, only a junior. Uh, I think he ends up a first-rounder. I'm not sure a top-10 pick, though. At number 11, New York Giants going Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia. Former number one overall recruit. That's 2019 class, though. Brazil was 2020. He's still he's still more athlete than pass rusher. And, you know, that's like a lot of the Georgia guys. You know, that was Trayvon Walker. They, they focus, they harp run game at Georgia. That is how they want to win football games, or what they think wins football games. And it does at the collegiate level. Like True pass rushing or being able to rush the passer is not nearly as important as stopping the run at the collegiate level with just how, how different the game is. Um, but Smith, at only 235 pounds, he's already like the play strength is good in the run game. Like he, he is not – you think guys that size are one-trick pass rushers, not, not, even, not even close to the case with Nolan Smith. So excited to see like his trajectory of where he can go. But 69.9 pass rushing grade. Like he, he's not the – he's not that guy quite yet. And I think him ending up at 11 here in this mock draft shows – just how weak kind of the top end of this class is or how weak I see the top end of this class at the moment. I don't think it's that great of a class. I was struggling to find names that I really feel good about um, as first rounders, as we'll see. At number 12, Philadelphia Eagles. I have them defensive line. Isaiah Foskey, defensive end. 6'5", 265. He's already halfway to his pressure total from a season ago. 16 pressures this year. Pocket pusher. Brandon Graham kind of replacement. And the Eagles just continue to load up on defensive linemen. Uh, 13th overall pick. And that was from the New Orleans Saints, that pick. That was not their original pick. That was in the Chris Olave trade. 13th overall pick, Houston Texans from the Cleveland Browns. This is their uh, Deshaun Watson trade pick. I'm going Jordan Addison, USC wide receiver, being the first one off the board. Wide receiver class, difficult to make heads or tails of right now because a lot of the top guys are not producing. Whether it's Jack Smith and Jigba not even playing, Kayshawn Booty, the LSU wide receiver, playing but not even getting featured or Tyler Johnston or 
uh, Quinn Johnson, excuse me, guys, I'm mixing up names here. Quinn Johnson, the TCU wide receiver, having being in that same boat of playing, but not really getting featured in that offense. So Jordan Addison already 29 catches this year, 442 yards, six scores. He's just kind of fits that mold of the new age wide receiver where he's not big, you know, six foot 175. He's not strong, not physical, not one of that ever, but he gets open. He can run routes. He's fast and a three level separator. That's teams are warming up to that idea more and more. Those guys are going in the first round nowadays. 14th overall, Arizona Cardinals going Bijan Robinson and Texas running back. Just a Steve Kime specialty. Draft linebackers, draft running backs in the first round. That's how you don't win games in today's NFL. Uh, but Bijan Robinson is, is the guy who's like, you know, we like to make fun of the people that say this running back's different. But he is different in his ability to affect the pass game. Already 188 receiving yards this season on only 10 catches. Um, and already the most broken tackles as a runner of any back in the country. 40 broken tackles on less than 100 carries. He, he's he is difficult to bring down. So, yeah, Bijan, get used to it. He's going in the first round somewhere. 15th overall, Jacksonville Jaguars here. Have him going Quinton Johnston. They need a they need an alpha one, right? Like, they need that go-to. They got Christian Kirk's their number one at the moment, but he's, he's a number one like Cooper Cup's number one in that he's your work the middle of the field slot guy. That's fine. That's that's a valuable position, but you also need a guy that you don't necessarily need to scheme up touches for that can run a go ball and hit you a home run without you know the advent of tricking a defense, getting a favorable matchup. Quinn Johnson could be that. He's six four, two fifteen. Bruce Feldman's freaks list member. I don't have to keep repeating that, but I'm going to. And he is tough to bring down, man. 32 broken tackles on 67 career catches. Uh, excited to see what he can do when he just gets targets. Because for, for some reason, he, he just he can't see the ball in that offense. He has never been able to see the ball consistently. When he does, it's good. Good things happen. But 21 targets this year, 12 catches, 114 yards. Not It's fewer receiving yards than Bijan Robinson. So we'll see how he turns out from a prospect perspective. Number 16, we have Tennessee Titans going Jackson Smith and Jigba, Ohio State wide receiver. Don't need to tell you about the wide receiver need there. Obviously, Jigba's had a hamstring this year, held him out of a bunch of games. He's only played in two games this year, 38 total snaps. So not much to talk about, but 95 catches last year, 1,595 yards, nine touchdowns on an offense that also had Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. He's, he's not the athlete those guys are. Don't expect him to be that, but a very reliable slot slash number two type of wide receiver. At number 17, Las Vegas Raiders going offensive tackle here. Paris Johnson from Ohio State. He's, he's looked solid at tackle. I, I don't think he's looked exceptional in his time there. It's hard to right when this is your first year playing tackle, and now he played obviously there in high school, but it starts at guard last season. Moves out to left tackle, which is where he's going to be in the NFL. He's 6'6", 3'10", one of the better athletes at the tackle position in the country. 78.2 pass blocking grade so far, three pressures. I'd say job well done out the gate. Like, it hasn't been bad. Still in the first-round conversation. Could play his way even higher than that, truthfully, just because everyone's looking for offensive tackles. Um, at number 18, Indianapolis Colts. I'm going Keely Ringo, Georgia corner. He's another guy. Like, there are so many guys in this class. I just mentioned Keishon Booty. Um, 
Jack Smith mentioned a lot of the wide receivers, but there are a lot of guys in this class that had high expectations for, had high sort of hopes heading in, were highly touted, not just by me, but like around the draft sphere, that had kind of not been good, you know, kind of just been meh this season. And that's probably the meh is probably being kind to Ringo. He's allowed 11 to 16 targets for 159 yards this year. He doesn't have a pick, doesn't have a pass breakup. And it's not like they've played a murderer's row of offenses. Oregon and Missouri, the only two, I guess South Carolina too. I was going to say the only two legit offenses, but I, I can give some love to South Carolina. That's, he's kind of been getting, not doing great. But at Colts, they covet size, covet speed, they covet makeup sort of ability on the defense side of the football. That's, that's Keely Ringo. At number 19, here's a guy, I talked about guys not playing well. Here's a guy who's put his name from, oh, that's an interesting sort of prospect, to this guy's going to go in the first round. And it's Jared Verse, the Florida State defensive end. Transferred from Albany last year to Florida State, 6'4", 248. And this guy's got a jet engine strapped to his back. He, he is the, you know, in terms of get off, he's maybe like number two in the country behind Will Anderson. Will Anderson's obviously kind of up there in his own tier, but Verse ain't too far behind. He's only a redshirt junior, too. He's not like uh, you know Jermaine Johnson last year, who was way on the older side. I think Jermaine Johnson's about to turn 24 here soon. Versus, you know, a, a normally aged prospect. I don't know how better to say that. Normally aged. Of, of proper age, I'm just going to get off it. I'm going to get off that topic. But he, he's, he's good, man. He has he, exceptional get off and then plays with power, too. I, I've been very impressed and his growth going from Albany to Florida State this season. I, I, I think higher of him as a prospect at the moment, probably even than I did Jermaine Johnson heading into the draft. So he's going to go somewhere in the first round, I would bet, at this point in time. Not going to put him in the first round locks just yet. we got some other ones ahead of him, but at some point, he'll be one. At number 20, another new name on the scene, Olu Fashinu, the Penn State offensive tackle. Didn't start. Left tackle for them. Didn't start until this season. And through five games now has an 86.3 pass blocking grade at left tackle. Only six hurries allowed. Hasn't allowed a sack. Hasn't allowed a hit. Going back and watching those, they were all, none of them were like in a very ugly fashion. All kind of barely hurries. I, I think his balance and sort of play strength is tremendous. Uh, 6'6", 321. You just watch him back-to-back with guys like Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky, Broderick Jones, kind of like the top tackles in the country, and you can see his anchor and his like lower half is just different than those guys. He, he, he is a powerfully built dude at that size. So I think he's one of the biggest risers this season. It could be – you know they draft tackles every year. Tackles go first round. Everyone needs them. The need doesn't go away. And if you need them, you can't just ignore it or else your quarterback gets murdered. So these guys are still going to go highly, and I think he's one of them that's put his name in that mix. At number 21 now, Seattle Seahawks. Pick coming from the Denver Broncos in that Mr. Unlimited trade. I'm going Andre Carter, defensive end, Army. Now, people, people, people caught on to Andre Carter. His interview we ran earlier this week with him seemed like a very serious dude, Good head on his shoulders, but 
going to this tape this year, 6'7", 260, led the country, tied Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson last year for the highest pass rushing grade in the country. Opposing offenses now know this. Um, I, I even actually talked to Jamie Chadwell before week one when we did that interview with uh, him and Grayson McCall. And I was like, hey, you know, you got to block Andre Carter. And he's like, yeah, we know. We're, we're going to have a game plan. <laughs> you know, We're, we're going to have a game plan for him, which – doesn't happen often at the collegiate level. Teams often just run their thing. You know, run what we run. Other teams going to have to stop it. But people have faced Army this season and realized we have to stop that guy. And so hasn't been, hasn't been able to replicate that same success. Only a 77.1 pass rushing grade on 76 pass rushing snaps. But it's because chips, doubles, slides, it's all happening. He's getting that treatment this year. At number 22, Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know what they do to fix this offensive line, but I don't think it's I don't think we just see them go draft right off the rip. I think we see like we go elsewhere. And how I have them picking is Michael Mayer, Notre Dame tight end. Kind of filling out, solidifying that receiving core. A now Hayden Hurst has been fine. You know, nothing against Hayden Hurst here, but Mayer is just a different animal in terms of his separation ability. One year deal for Hurst too. And okay, yeah. One year deal for Hurst as well. So Mayer is hometown guy from across the river in Covington. He's that underneath reliable guy that can hopefully coax Joe Burrow out of some of those some of those sacks. You know, like, hey, nothing's happening. Let's toss it Mayer's. You know, pocket's kind of collapsing. Let's give Mayer that little five yard out instead of trying to create something more. So I think would be something that kind of is just a cherry on top for the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Number 23, Miami Dolphins. I have him going linebacker, Trenton Simpson. A Bruce Feldman's freaks list guy at 6'3", 235. He, he can fly. He's played slot last year for them. Now he's playing like box, traditional linebacker, which is always good for guys. Projects the next level. 76 yards on 15 targets he's allowed. He, he is a special coverage linebacker and what he's capable of in that regard. And not in like a... Not in an Isaiah Simmonsy way where it's like, wow, look at how fast that six foot four guy is. It's like, oh, he he actually just moves like a safety. You know, he moves like a cornerback does at that size. He he can actually just he can actually just cover ground. Um, at number the Dolphins pick up next that got forfeited is next, and then at twenty four we have Minnesota Vikings taking Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech edge defender. Here is a name to remember that we will be talking about quite a bit probably. I, I don't know if he plays at the Senior Bowl. He's obviously he's going to be Senior Bowl eligible. He's a fifth-year defensive end. But get this. He is six foot six, 275 pounds, and has a over 7-foot wingspan at that size, 85, over 85-inch 85 wingspan for a defensive end. He's kind of, I don't want to say he's this year's Trayvon Walker, but that's the kind of like – prospect bucket you put him in and that he is just a freak of nature he's kind of figuring out the defensive end position 80.6 overall grade this year after a 72.7 overall grade last year but too freaky to last to the second round he this guy's going to go in the first round he reminds me of probably more like a Peyton Turner you know the Houston edge rusher who went to the Saints a couple of years ago more in that where it's just like wow that guy could be something right like wow that is one absurdly built defensive end 
and he kind of has the moxie and the makeup that you want in terms of how he plays the game. But he's still probably, you know, Peyton Turner hasn't done much for the Saints. Still probably would take him a little bit to do to have an impact at the NFL level. But, like, if he hits, the payoff can be massive. So, Tyree Wilson going to the Vikings there. Pairing him across from, like, a Daniel Hunter and just add another guy that mix. Uh, Baltimore Ravens. I have him going Antonio Johnson, the Texas A&M safety. He's a 6'3", 195-pound slot cornerback for Texas A&M, though. He's an interesting projection. Curious to see where he does end up going. But his closing speed at that size, tremendous. Obviously, wingspan, ability to affect and shut down passing windows. On 80 targets since the start of last year, eight targeted 80 times, only out of 314 yards on 80 targets. That's that's worse than a – that's not even a good running game. That's uh, – he's – He's a great underneath player, great slot player, but he hasn't really done much more than that. So I'd, I'd be curious to see how the NFL sees him when it's ultimately said and done. At number Twix, wow, I just said 20, I meant to say 26, but I said Twix. Uh, at number 26, Detroit Lions. This is the pick from the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I have him going Siaki Ika, the Baylor defensive tackle, for obvious reasons if you've watched the Lions this year. Their defensive t- line, interior defensive line, is soft as baby shit oh my lord they're getting run on left and right Ika would help that out 300 the only worry not the only worry there's other worries but Ika was three in the 340s last year he's listed at 358 this year he's kind of going the wrong way for a prospect anytime guys are gaining weight at that size through college you're like "Uh uh-oh and now I put on weight in college too I'm, I'm not here to judge I'm just saying from a prospect perspective that starts to worry you but 41 pressures since the start of last season at that size is kind of insane. He is not just your hold the A-gap nose tackle. He, he is a dancing bear of sorts up front that I think he could make his way into the first round conversation here. At number 27, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going Tyreek Stevenson, the Miami corner. This one's kind of a call on my part. I, he's been... He's six foot two fourteen. He is a huge cornerback. Uh, you know, right up there with Keely Ringo in terms of like cornerbacks that look like linebackers. I mean, two fourteen. There are linebackers in the NFL playing around that size. So he's a big ass dude. And from a press alignment, he's been tremendous. Uh, beats up opposing wide receivers. I think he's been much more consistent already this season than I saw on tape last year from him. So. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson, a definitely named no. And, and the, Bucks are, the Bucks could lose two of their corners. It could be over in that secondary. That, that secondary could lose a lot of its teeth. Not over, but it could lose a lot of its teeth uh, this upcoming offseason with Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, obviously hitting free agency. So interesting to see what they do there to replace them. Tyreek Stevenson, a name to watch should they do so. At number 28, Green Bay Packers, I have them going. Josh Downs, the wide receiver from North Carolina, in that bucket of the Rondale Moores of the world, in that he's 5'10", 175, he is not your do-it-all type of wide receiver. But I think he could replace like Randall Cobb in that Packers offense. He could at least do that. And he's pretty electric, man. He, he, he could trend towards the, towards the Jalen Waddle end of that spectrum, right? You know, on one side of the spectrum, you have probably, oh gosh, who was... Who was the guy that got drafted by the Seahawks a couple years ago? Who was – I shouldn't even brought it up. But basically like this – Dwayne Eskridge. D. Eskridge. There we go. 
of like just that guy was just just pure speed. You know, he's 5'9, 180, whatever, 185, but just speed. Whereas Jalen Waddle's like speed, agility, ball skills, play strength, whatever. Tyreek Hill also like is probably the king of that bucket. I think Josh Allen trends more towards the has play strength, has agility, can actually do other wide receiver things that doesn't limit him to just being this speed slot guy. So I think he could sneak his way in the first round because of that. He had a real nasty route against Notre Dame for a touchdown where it was an out route that he understood that it got jumped. Out route in the red zone. Understood that it got jumped, so he paused for a second right after his first cut as if he was doing a whip route, and then he kept going to the corner and still caught a touchdown. If you haven't seen it, I would go look up Josh Downs' touchdown reception from Notre Dame. It was it was just high-level understanding of how to get open. And that's what you like to see from wide receiver prospects, obviously. Still sticking Green Bay wide receiver in the first round. Every, uh, I've done it. I think I It hadn't happened since, like, Vietnam. 2020. Well, it happened when they get Javon Walker was the last one. That was after Vietnam. That was, what, 2002 or something like that? Um, so 20 years. I, I think I started 2020 draft. I had him T. Higgins for, like, every mock draft. And then last year uh, – then it was then it was Rashad Bateman. And then it was this past year, who did I have him going? Uh, everyone. I had him going Sky Moore every every mock. Or George Pickens. Actually I had him George Pickens in a lot. So this year it's Josh Downs is gonna be the guy who just I'm manifesting. When it comes my mock draft credibility goes out the window when it comes to Packers. It's just wide receiver. Please God, wide receiver. And I've been let down a lot. I, I've been let down a lot. I'll just say that. At number 29, Kansas City Chiefs. I have him going Ade Adebowore, the Northwestern defensive end. And if you haven't watched this guy at all or know who I'm talking about, he's, he has some, his highlight reel or like the, what he's capable of doing at six foot two, 280, is insane to watch. I mean, that's, he looks like, hard to say this with a straight face, but like, you know, how Aaron Donald has that just an insane get-off and just, like, looks different than everyone else on the football field. Like, Ade, at least at the collegiate level, he just looks like he's playing a different game athletically. And at 280 pounds, they line him up at three technique. They line him up on the edge. He actually plays more edge than three technique. Already 15 pressures and 12 run stops through five games. And at six foot 280, he's an intriguing kind of interior, exterior pass rusher that – Bruce Feldman's freaks list guy at that size apparently ran a 6'9", 3 cone and vertical jumped in the high 30s. That guy's going to be – you test like that at that size, you, you go somewhere in the top 50 picks. You're just, you're just going to. Um, at number 30, Philadelphia Eagles, I have him going Joey Porter, the Penn State cornerback who's been awesome this year. Uh, 22 targets, only nine catches, 89 yards allowed on 22 targets this season. Eight pass breakups to lead the FBS. Um, I have him going here, the Eagles that is going here, because one, they you know draft valuable positions. Two, Darius Slay, $26 million against Cap next year. In the I believe what's the final year of his deal. It would be interesting to see if, you know, at his age here, if they keep Darius Slay on that number, because he's 31 years old. He'll be 32 in January. That's just a lot for a guy at that age cornerback position. Last one in the first round, 
Keandre Colburn, Texas defensive tackle, going to the Buffalo Bills. He's been a, one of the biggest risers this season. He's, he's a fifth-year senior, was kind of a role player in years past, looks just completely different. 6'2", 343. Go flip on the tape of the Alabama game. He was the best player after – he was the best player on the field in that game. Um, Quinn Ewers actually was up there too. Quinn did have a great game, but Keandre Coburn dominated that Alabama interior line. And it's not the same Bama line that has won Joe Moore awards in the past, but they're always going to be well coached. And he just put on a clinic against those guys. Putting a no sack like that with this Bills defensive line as currently made up would just would not be fair, honestly. So I kind of don't want to see it as a Packers fan. I don't want the Bills to win like the next four Super Bowls, but that's that that would put that D line into rarefied air to have a nose tackle that can actually impact the passing game. You would be you'd have quarterbacks peeing down their leg the week of, just not wanting to play that D line. They already don't, but highest pass rushing grade of any team in the NFL as it stands. There it is though. All thirty one picks of the first round in the mock draft. Some new names in there. Some old names that are going to be there. Still a ways out. I still, I still want to see more from a lot of the quarterbacks that we didn't include in this. You know, Anthony Richardson, the Florida QB, Tyler Van Dyke, the Miami quarterback. Yikes! Like that. To me, those guys aren't even. I, I'm not. That's not a debate for me. I, I'm not touching them in the first round of the stance right now. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with bigger payouts than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? Make things even sweeter. You can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code PFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20x your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, over-unders, or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code BALL at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it is not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. All right. Let's get to some positive vibes only online. And I have to start with this. I am, I am an asshole. I, I, after the rant I went on about Terry Bradshaw and Lee Corso, Lee Corso misses last week because of his uh, 
whatever, had to go to the hospital, have some tests done. That was sad. And Terry Bradshaw went on a rant, not a rant, yikes, went on a monologue about how he had cancer and beat cancer this offseason. I, I didn't, and it wasn't, I didn't put it in here. So I, you're going to have to just talk to it. I know. I don't, I don't want to jinx it. Don't want to put we it can't. in, but fuck, I feel like, it, I feel like a dick. But like this again goes, I think it also reinforces my point, which my point was, I don't want these guys to go out like this. I don't want this to be our memory of them. I want to remember the good times. They were great in their prime. They are past their prime. Hey, Terry, hope everything's well. Hope nothing happens. Praying for you. Fox, do the right thing. All right. Only one other PVO, though, here. And this one comes from Brian Perez, who is a – let me see his exact title. I, I know he's affiliated with the Bears. He's managing editor of the Bears Talk. Um, does great work for them. But this take it, – it, it's not a take. It's one of those, I'm just asking questions, but here it is. The Bears are who we thought they were at the start of the season, a team that will fight for a 500 record in the first year of a new coaching staff, offense, overall regime. Justin Fields was expected to struggle because of a poor supporting cast. Why are there so many hot takes? There is a difference between struggling Struggling is what, you know, I think Zach Wilson did this past week. You know, that, that's what I would consider struggling. Made some great plays. Made some bone, boneheaded plays. Some head-scratching plays. That's struggling. Finishes 18-36, one touchdown, two picks. That, that, to me, is a struggling game. Justin Fields, what he's done so far this season, I, I would not consider struggling. I would consider scary, as I've said before. Is a 43.5 passing grade. You know, there's no level of overmatchedness in the NFL. And let's not say they haven't been overmatched. Like, their O-line's tough. The interior is very tough. Sam Mustafer is, I think, the lowest grade center in the NFL. You have issues, sure. But he's overmatched. Like, he is, he is not raising any level of play around him. And they don't trust him. And it's not just, it's not just that it's been bad in the games. It's that it has to look bad in practice too because the coaching staff's not even not even giving him the keys to the car. He's got training wheels on a Huffy bike that he's riding in that offense. It's not you can't even get in like a can't even get in a Honda. Get four wheels on the road. It's been rough to see. What do you think they're going to do with Fields? Cuz at this point, like if you're going to move on, like, wouldn't it almost make more sense to bench him, sit him down, so he still has like some, some trade value? Because if you mm. if he keeps doing this for the rest of the year, like no one's going to give up anything substantial to get him, and you're just going to have to draft a new quarterback and I, I figure think out what to do. I think you overestimate like how I don't think anyone's giving up anything substantial like now, like how much damage these just has been done already. You know, you know? like I and benching him is almost admitting more defeat you're saying like he stinks so much in practice that we're not even encouraged about what he could be so i think it's just plan is to ride it out pray your fingers yeah because i don't think it's salvageable i there's i don't think there's trade value that's salvageable here um all right that's it for pvos though let's get to some takes of the week listener takes we had a few if you make the cut this week I'm, I'm excited uh for you guys to hear some of these let's hear it yep first one is from bernie
Are we not getting Bernie? I'm not hearing Bernie. You're not hearing Bernie? Not hearing Bernie. All right, bear with me one second. Come on, Bern. It was a good one, too. It was a good one. I will he, say. He basically, while I'm figuring it out, he basically says, like, do you think that – pretty much what we talked about on It's Just Football this morning, mm-hmm. do you think it would be beneficial for the Seahawks to build around Geno Smith? If he keeps playing at the rate that they're going to be playing, should they draft a quarterback or should they just ride it out with Geno and say, hey, fuck it? So – Big if. Big if, right? You know, we're four games in. It's still a small sample size. But if he if he plays like this, there I don't think you're fa- that's a f- I don't think you can fake 77.3 completion percentage. You know, I, it, and it's not he's not Alex Smithing it to get that. His average depth of target's 8.1 yards down the football field. That's the same as Tom Brady. That's higher than Josh Allen. It's higher than Kirk Cousins, higher than Aaron Rodgers. He is, he is pushing the ball down the field and still insanely accurate. I, I don't think you can fake his start to the season. The only problem, if there is one, is that this is, he's on a one-year $2.5 million deal. He plays like this the rest of the season. He is immediately... I, I don't think anyone's going to buy in so much overnight that he's immediately going to be like, you know, 40 million, 35 million. That that'd be insane to me. But Geno Smith will command 20 plus million. He'll command at least like what James did. Continues to play like this. So it gets a little more expensive. And so if you are where they're at um, in terms of if they are drafting number two overall, like I had them in the latest mock draft, which is where their Super Bowl odds are. If they ultimately get into a point where they are going to be, you know, number one, number two overall, where you know you're getting at least CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, I could see a world where you tag and trade Geno Smith or do something to recoup some value back from Geno Smith in that regard. If he is in demand, if he does play that well. But I think if he plays that well the entire season, they're not drafting number two overall, which means I, th- I think you're working out, you're trying to work out some semblance of an extension. So I, I agree. I think Geno Smith's going to be the quarterback of the future with the caveat that he plays like this for a season. Obviously, again, big if. All right. Next one is Paul from Nashville. We should be good to go. Sorry, Bernie. Sorry I couldn't get you in there. So that takes the, that's the low 80s take. That's the 82.3. We like the take. All right. Here we go. Here's Paul. Hey, Mike and producer Quim. This is Paul from Nashville calling in. I had a two-part take regarding LSU. A, Kayshawn Booty is going to fall to the third round. And two, Brian Kelly's career is going to look a lot like Jimbo's at Texas A&M. Thank you. Ooh. That one's – the Booty one. Let's start with the Booty one because, yes, at at this rate, I I don't see how you can traits aside, you know, purely what he could be is first round caliber what he's doing on a football field right now is not you know he's caught 11 of 21 targets for 97 yards through four games this year and looked I don't want to say disinterested that's not the right word just looked not locked in right four drops O of two in contested situations just not all there he has not put it together so he's not he's not in first round conversation right now for me, um, and yeah, I, I would be struck. It would be hard pressed to really just be like, I'll still bet on the talent he's shown in the past to draft in the second either. So love that part of the take. 
the Jimbo Fisher part is just like, I feel like Jimbo has kind of skirted by and maybe A&M, maybe I'm just in the wrong part of the country to hear sort of that kind of criticism or drama, but I feel like he's skirted by fairly drama-free outside of the Nick Saban um, feud, shall we say. But there's been relatively little controversy surrounding Jimbo, whereas Brian Kelly, I don't care where he goes, is a controversy magnet at this point, whether it's the stupid accent that he did, whether it's the videos with recruits. People talk about Brian Kelly. He, he gets his name in the headlines. So I, don't, I, I think from that perspective, he'll at least, it's going to look different. But from a record perspective, I could see them being a perennial kind of underachieving, loaded roster, meh results sort of team. So I'll go, I'll hedge the difference there. Like those takes, we're going to go somewhere like a 74.6 take there. Do you know what Jimbo's buyout this year is? Oh, dude. Okay, so I just saw it right before we recorded. You see that tweet? Yeah, uh, somebody sent it to me. It's $85.9 million this year. And then obviously it decreases 76 next year, 67. But that's just like the the tweet says for comparison, Charlie Weiss's buyout was 19 mil in 2009. And the, the, that's a lot. And apparently mil. a caller called in to the fine bomb show and said a hitman's cheaper than a buyout, <laughs> which is, uh, is that surprise you. That is, you ever listen to that show? That is incredible content. That's, I can't compete with that. My listeners are too sane, I hope. Yeah, well, we want takes like that. But yeah, if I you mean, got takes like that. Preferably you're not don't sane. act on them, but if yeah, you, I mean, we want some crazy takes. Insane. That's what Speak Pipe is for. Yeah, that's why we that's why we do the segment. All right, what's the last one here? Uh, last one is from Jean-Luc. Mm. Hi, Mike. Bonjour from Canada. Coming in with a take about my Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I'd like to think that we actually have one of the most underrated offensive lines in the league right now, outside of week one, where we let a lot of interior pressure disrupt Trevor Lawrence and he looked kind of shaky. Our offensive line has actually been doing an exceptional job of protecting Trevor Lawrence and giving him time to make throws, opening lanes for James Robinson. And so I just think that they have not been getting the respect. Are they one of the top units in the league? I don't think so, but uh, they're also not getting nearly enough props for the great job they've been doing of opening up lanes for our running backs and protecting the next generational quarterback. I, I do agree. I, after week one, I was worried, and I said that on the show that Brandon Scherf did not fix what was wrong with the soft line. And, and I do think they've made big strides. Guys have made big strides. One, Jawan Taylor is looking like a completely different player this year than what he was in years past. We have him as, so Timo Risque, one of the data analysts here at PFF, came out with a uh, a difficulty-adjusted pass-blocking metric this past, uh, over this week, the course this week, what, what day was it? It was like Wednesday of this week, that showed, you know, yeah, uh, you can you know let up zero pressures, but if you're not having to actually block anyone for a game, it was just RPOs or it was just... Um, you had chips and tackle or tight end help the entire time. It's not nearly as impressive as the guy who's going one on one and maybe gives up every single play, maybe gives up a couple pressures. So did his best job of quantifying that and found out Juwan Taylor top five right tackle in the NFL this season in terms of pass blocking above expectations given the difficulty of assignment. I think Ben Barch has made a massive stride from year one to year two, only year one to year two of a starter. Only two pressures allowed over the previous three weeks after kind of, you know, getting Jerron Payne and Jonathan Allen week one. 
So I do think this offensive line looks much improved. The one weakness being Luke Fortner. Rookie's still probably a liability there, but they've kind of smoothed out the holes that we saw from last year, right? They, they, are, they are in a much better position to not have one guy lose them games on the offensive line. So I think they're underrated. I'd still probably put them somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 to 20th amongst offensive lines in the NFL. But that's better than, you know, bottom 5 to 10, which is where they were last year. So I call it an improvement. So I'll give that take somewhere in the neighborhood of like a 78 point, 78 point 7. That's a, that's a solid above average take. Fan of it. All right. Those are, those are the takes. Takes of the week. Let's get to the first round locks segment. Locking in one more name. We're f- we're f- this is the fifth name we're going to lock in here. I already have Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, Peter Skaronsky, and C.J. Stroud, and I had to go this way, um, even though it looked like for a second that Bryce Young's shoulder was going to take him out of it. But Bryce Young, apparently not a serious shoulder injury, thank God. He is going to be your fifth lock here of the first round, 5'11", 194, whatever. He can play the game. He can play the quarterback position. Dude, still, and the other thing is, you know, last year led the nation in grade over the middle of the field, the place that everyone says, you know, short quarterbacks can't work, the middle of the field. Bryce Young has done it throughout his career. Uh, Dane, Dane Brugler at the end of the show actually has a really good analogy, I thought, for Bryce Young and kind of who he is as a quarterback that you guys, I think, will enjoy. So make sure to listen to that. All right. Wrap it up with this. Would you rather? Before that, just a movie club shout-out. Next week, all the right moves. Tom Cruise. Make sure to watch it over the weekend at some point. I think you may have to rent it. It's on, like, stars if you're streaming. All the right moves, though. We'll watch it. We'll it's talk on about Amazon. It. Is it Amazon, too? Mm-hmm. Okay, sweet. Which, if you do, I, I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon. I should triple-check that. But if you don't have Amazon Prime at this point, yeah, like, you know someone that does. Yeah, <laughs> that'll on. give it to them. You kind of need longer. Amazon Prime, yeah. honestly, in 2022. It's insane. In my like apartment complex, we just have one mail room where they dump all the packages. And just trying to sift through 20 packages that all look the exact same in an Amazon box every day to try to find something I ordered or every time I order something is a little annoying. But it makes you really realize that, like, holy shit, this Amazon, like, this is every apartment complex in America right now probably looks like that which is wild to think about. But, all right, would you rather? You want to kick it off with yours? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Panay Sewell or Andrew Thomas? Mm. Simple. Straight up. <sighs> Come on. OT1 from 2020 versus OT1 from 2022. Uh, highest graded offensive player in the game, I think. Yes, Andrew, Andrew Thomas, Thomas is. Right now? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thomas, highest grade. Are we talking right now or are we talking – just which one do I want on my team going forward? Um, take it whichever way you want. If I, it's which one I want on my team going for, forward, it's Penny Sewell, man. You watch his tape this year, and the growth he's shown as like a pass protector in just adding kind of tools to his toolbox. Like last year, beginning of the year, he's kind of just figuring out how to play a tackle position, you know, how to play right tackle after obviously starting at left tackle at Oregon, and just – how to you know take vertical sets versus you know uh, angle sets, and how to really use his hands versus NFL caliber caliber pass rushers, and just hit his landmarks. And then by the end of the season, he had that down. And now you see him like getting creative with what he's doing as a pass protector, and the comfort level and the experience. 
for a guy who's 21 years old, is pretty insane. And, and now, Andrew Thomas no slouch himself. Like, let's don't get it twisted. You don't earn a 92.1 overall grade in PFF system without having something special. And his play strength is insane right now. Still only 23 years old. Um, really skyrocketing up in terms of you know, evaluation of him as a player from rookie year to second year. 62.4 grade as a rookie. 78.9 in year two. 92.1 this year. Big, big fan. But Penny Sewell is a different animal. I call him the best tackle prospect we scouted, and I think he's living up to that. And the trajectory of his career right now is only going to, like, scary territory for how good he is at how young he is. I actually loved – someone asked TJ Lang on Twitter because TJ Lang posted a clip of Penny Sewell. Someone said, you know, were you – how good were you um, at his age or something? He's like, were you doing this at his age? And he's like, I wasn't even playing in the NFL at his age. So it's a good, it's a good kind of reminder that he's still got a lot left in the tank. Like, guys, we're talking about some draftable prospects at tackle that are a year, two years older than Penny Sewell is right now. So, yeah, give me Penny Sewell. My one. I'm going to go Geno Smith. Geno Smith, the talk of this week, apparently. Seahawks quarterback. Geno Smith right now or Jameis Winston right now? Healthy Jameis, not so, injured Jameis. Okay. Um, see, I, st- I think I'd almost rather go Geno. I have too, man. Be- I, I'm sold. Like, yeah, like obviously the play is, is great, but like we talk so much about how, and I have a, actually a question that kind of is going to touch on this later, but like we talk about how so much of playing quarterback is between the ears mm-hmm. and like, I know everybody loves Jameis and like he's funny and it's he's got all the goofy workout videos and shit like that. But like Jameis is a clown, man. And and Gino, like I, I do think there's something to like the voicemail that we answered earlier. Like if you were to build around Geno Smith moving forward, a guy that like took his lumps and mm-hmm. kinda had to like sort of reinvent himself, I think a locker room full of like eighteen to thirty five, six, seven, eight year old dudes would rather would would rally around that guy yes. better who's also playing better than Jameis who just throws YOLO balls and like again he's funny to watch but like if you were on a team and you're like that's my quarterback you know what I mean like that's kind of a I, I just don't know how well that's gonna play he's I, entertaining I just don't know I, I don't know if I would do that I don't I, know if I'd take that I risk. do think that's an underrated aspect of the Jameis discussion of like franchise quarterback or not he's a clown is that he is a clown is that you can't look that guy in the eye in a two-minute drill and be like this guy's fucking got it (laughs) and everybody always talks about like around the person you know that you kind of know who that like uh Carson Wentz everybody's like well we know who Carson Wentz is and it's like yeah you know who he is as a player obviously and like Mm -hmm. kind of the same light with Jameis like yeah we know who who he is as a player but also like this is just who he is Mm -hmm. is is like a human at this point like dude's just a goofball yeah. Like that's, and that's, that's not gonna take. change. He's gonna be he's gonna be seventy five years old and he's gonna be a goofball still. He's like he talks like your uncle, you know, your uncle that probably drinks a little too much and makes the inappropriate comments at a family gathering. That's Jameis. That's Jameis. All right, what's your next one here? Yeah, so I kinda had to change this one up because we talked about it on It's Just Football, mm-hmm. which if you're not watching, you should watch on this very YouTube channel at eleven AM every weekday. Eleven AM every weekday. But uh, so we talked about Niners D versus, I believe Trev was arguing Bills D is the best D in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is what I originally had. So I'm going to change it up a little bit just because I don't want to have the same argument two times in a row. But Niners D, and then I subbed it out with Bengals D. Which would you rather have? I like the Bengals defense. I'm not going to shit on the Bengals defense at all. I, I just think this 49ers defense is special, I'll say. From a coordinator standpoint, from a talent standpoint, um, and obviously from a results standpoint. Highest graded defense in the NFL, best defense in terms of EPA per play so far, uh, best defense in terms of points per game so far. And it's real because of they have, they kind of, you know, when I asked um, Chargers head coach, I'm blanking on his name for some reason. Staley. Staley. Brand Staley. Yikes, I'm awful with names. When I asked Brand Staley, you know, about like, would you rather have a complete defense or kind of the Rams model where it's like high-end playmakers and uh, maybe some scrubs, maybe some guys who aren't high-end playmakers. He's like, you got to have it all. And I was like, okay, well, that's a good <laughs> – obviously, you got to have it all. Um, that's how I feel about the 49ers defense, though. They kind of have it all. They kind of have the best of both worlds. Uh, I don't see too many liabilities on, on this defense. After the Charveris Ward signing, who is, is a great fit with his wingspan, with his press coverage ability for that scheme, with Talano Hufanga now playing like a man possessed in year two, and just this defensive line with, with Nick Bosa, um, Charles Menehue, numerous guys who can get after the passer, Samson Ebcom, Eric Armstead. Like they got options. Even Javon Kinlaw making some plays, a few plays, a few, high, a few reps. He's still probably not living up to his draft stock, but, you know. They, also Fred Warner. They got playmakers at every level to where I think it's on a little different caliber, but Bengals is a top-five defense in the NFL. I will not be told otherwise. It's a tra tremendous defense, but we're just – 49ers got a little too much in the tank. All right, my next one. I, I kind of went in a similar vein. Defensive line here. Bill's defensive line or the Cowboys' defensive line? The two highest-graded pass-rushing teams right now, according to PFF grades in the NFL. Which one are you taking? All right, I got two questions first. Is Micah Parsons, am I counting him? Is yeah, Micah rushing? Parsons is okay. on your D-line. Okay. And then is this just like for a game to win a game? One game, or is this yeah. Uh, if it's one game, I think I might roll with the Cowboys and just hope you get one of those like Demarcus Lawrence and Michael mm -hmm. Parsons where they each have like, like Lawrence has like nine pressures and Parsons has like 11. Cause yeah. that alone, I mean, shit kind of like when they played the Bengals, like that alone will wreck a game right there. Moving forward, the Bills, obviously, I think we've talked about them before, like how they got a lot of like depth and they got young guys like Boogie Basham that, yeah. you know, you can, I mean, shit, they might be solid, you know, starting caliber, maybe even better than that, like defensive ends for a long time. But if I got to go one game, I'm taking that. Like, I think there's, I think the Cowboys, just between Lawrence and Parsons, I think that could, I, I think I'm rolling the dice with those yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. I, man, it's tough because cause the, big, the big thing here is Boogie and Greg Rousseau. You know, they, they've been yeah. great this season. And that's what I'm saying. Moving forward, like, those dudes could be, like, cornerstones of your defense. Yes, that, that's, like, the thing. It's, like, do but, I think this is flash in the pan, they face some bad competition, or are they actually arrived? Are, are they Because Boogie Bashman is 91.9 pass rush grade. Greg Rousseau, 82.8. Those are the two highest on that team right now. They are 
performing at a high level. Do I believe that? Like, I obviously believe Mike Parsons. I obviously believe Demarcus Lawrence. Like, that. Cowboys have established dudes I know can produce. I, I think I tend to lean Bills, though. I, I think I do. I think I do buy in to Boogie and Rousseau's Way to stand by your evaluation. Because we were high. I know we were high on Rousseau, but we were pretty high on Basham, too. Basham, too. Right? Yeah. I think yeah. he was the 40th player on the board uh, that year. Obviously gets drafted back in the second round, six first overall. But, wow, what a fucking draft by the Bills. Rousseau, Basham, Tamar Hamlin in that draft, too. Yeah. Well done. Well done, Brandon Bean. All right. You got, what's your last one? Yep, my last one. So, again, I kind of alluded to it. We sort of just touched on it. If you're signing a quarterback, drafting a quarterback, if you're Dr. Frankenstein and you're building a quarterback in a lab, whatever, uh, Baker's attitude or Chad Pennington's arm? (laughs) Oh, I fucking love this one. Baker. Baker's another one of those almost in the Jameis tier of, can you look that guy in the huddle and be like, yeah, let me rally around. It, it's ruined his – right? not ruined his career. I'm not ready to say that just yet. I don't want to put that evil on him. But, like, that's kind of why he is where he is, no? Like, yeah. he was, like, you know, grabbing his dick and, like, you know, being the man at, at Oklahoma. And then he goes to Cleveland in a bad situation, in Carolina in a bad situation. He just, like, never got that confidence back. He's, like, starting fights with his receivers and calling out the media. And he just, like, yeah. never got it back. And he's, like, shot now. You, just, like, you can't be a quarterback and, and do that. Yeah. Especially a number one pick. you got to be able to like elevate, and now he is where he is. Yeah, it's, it's hard to – I can't like put a finger on his personality. It's such a weird – like he's on one hand super thin-skinned. It's like fake tough guy. Yes. It, it's just it's – it's But it's not it's like – something's off about it. Yeah. It's off. It's always been a little off. And I think people – I think his teammates probably mm-hmm. see that. Odell Beckham but, Jr.'s but, dad. But Chad Pennington's arm's also been a little off. Uh, a lot off. It, it's just, it's a noodle. It was a noodle. I, you know, 50-plus yards was a was a Hail Mary for him. Um, fuck, that's tough. I, I remember at the end there, he could barely even, like, get it to the sideline yeah. on, like, a 15-yard out. I think I'll go Baker's attitude because I think you could overcome that if he was more talented. Like, if that guy was – his personality could work. You could buy into it as a teammate if he was just like Tom Brady. You know, if he just like didn't make – if he was never going to be the reason you lost games. You'd be like, okay, that's fine. He can be weird, hardo, all he wants. But as soon as you are the reason you're losing games and you continue to do that, you, you can't do it. You can't, can't – it, it won't matter anyway. Like, but like Chad Pennington's arm gives you a cap as a quarterback. You, you – you're capped at being basically Chad Pennington, you know, what he was. Yeah. So in 2022, you could be, if you had like a really good attitude and were like a really good processor with a, just a baby arm like that, you could be a Chase Daniel and like make $50 million mm-hmm. being a backup for yeah. 12 years. True. True. Good career. Good All right. My last one. It. My last one. This one's pretty Quinn specific. I know. I hate this one. <laughs> this one's great. I dude. hate this one. This is a great one. Would you rather have as your head coach right now Marvin Lewis or Zach Taylor? Right now? Well, okay, not right now. At their peak of coaching ability. Oh, man. Shown. I know where I'm going. Fuck, I hate this one. Um, at the peak of their coaching career, I guess I'll say Marvin Lewis because Marvin Lewis won uh, Coach of the Year. Yeah. I, I lean Marvin Lewis too, because also what Marvin did was he just said, 
you know, you you handle the offense, Jay Gruden. You know. Yeah, Jay Gruden, but. I guess Jay Gruden was a decent offensive coordinator. Yeah. He got he got clowned when he was smoking cigs outside the bar in DC that one time. That was bad. But like, yeah, I mean Jay Gruden had some decent years. Even uh, Bob Bratkowski, like when Carson Palmer first came mm-hmm. in the league, like he he was bad at the end. But like there were some pretty prolific years there. And I, I agree with you. Yeah, like just step back and and j- just don't be an obstacle yeah. to the offense. And at times it certainly feels like Zach Taylor is an obstacle to that offense. And Marvelous is a good developer of talent. I think like at least like a, and a guy who could command a locker room too. Like he had yeah. those no, parts the of, the quarter, of the head yeah. coach position. Not to say Zach Taylor doesn't. Uh, I'm just saying like Marvin Lewis had his positives. Um, despite, you know, I don't think being anything special himself is like a, X's and O's head coach. You know, he wasn't that type no. of head coach. So he was also like when they hired Marvin Lewis, he was like kind of like what Brian Dable was to the Giants this year. Like he was like the hot candidate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was well, like yeah, if you're gonna hire was, a coach, you gotta hire that guy because that was coming off the Ravens. Mid two thousand Ravens, yeah. Yep. Whereas Zach Taylor, and this isn't necessarily a shot at him, but like he was just the guy that knew Sean McVay. He was, you know yeah, what I mean? And people, up. people hired him. And like, I remember a lot of people when his name surfaced for the head coaching job, you had to like go and research, like who the fuck is this guy? You know where? So yeah. again, I feel like that maybe plays into it a little bit. I don't know. You'll, you'll never hear me say a, a bad word about Marvin. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's not true. <laughs> you look at some of my old tweets, but no, I, I liked Marvin Lewis a lot. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I, t- I tend to agree there. All right. There you have it. Now, coming up, interview with Dane Brugler of The Athletic. A lot of draft talk. Talk about a lot of risers, the quarterback class, rookies impressing. A lot of interesting stuff. Make sure you stay tuned. Joined now by Dane Brugler of The Athletic, as Austin Gale once referred to, an elite mind in the space. Uh, Dane, how you doing this fall, man? I love it. I need to <laughs> I need to put that in my Twitter bio or something. The elite mind. Yeah, I'm doing well. How about you? I've been doing fantastic, man. I brought you on here to try to help find me some prospects we'll get to because we're going to talk about this 2023 class. I, I haven't found a lot of guys I love just yet, but we'll get to that in a little bit. I want to talk rookies first because the fall mm-hmm. is kind of always my favorite when we get to see, you know, were we right or were we wrong? Like who, who we should have been higher on, who we should have been lower on and kind of get to actually see the fruits of all the scouting we've done the past, you know, multiple years. So who in this rookie class so far to you has jumped out as someone that if you could kind of have a do over on his grade, either good or bad, you would like, I'd probably say good. Cause it's hard to really write a guy off this early on, but who is someone that's jumped out that you kind of want to do over on with how well they played so far? Well, it, well, we had five offensive tackles drafted first round and Tyler Smith was the one where you thought maybe, Okay, there's the biggest gap between where he is and what his ceiling could be as a player. Uh, just going to take time. And the Cowboys drafted him knowing there'd be bumps. They were going to start him at left guard. He'd be the eventual replacement at left tackle. Then Tyron goes down, maybe for the final time. We might have seen Tyron Smith's his yeah. final snaps in the NFL. Uh, so that plan was accelerated, but also accelerated was Tyler Smith's development. And I give him a ton of credit, especially uh, also the Cowboys coaches, for uh, you know, because he was working at guard for most of the summer and for camp, for him to step in at left tackle uh, and play as well as he has played and as consistent as he has played has been really impressive to watch. And 
Last year was a flag magnet at Tulsa, 12 holding penalties last year alone, only one accepted holding penalty so far through four games. So you see the play strength, you see uh, the physical traits, the ability, and that accelerated development, I think, has been one of the bigger surprises for me so far. Yeah, small school offensive linemen, man. They're just tough to scout, right? Yep. It's just because you can base it off traits all you want, but then it's still a skill position. And mm -hmm. a lot of times, like, you have no clue how they're going to translate to the NFL because they're not even blocking guys that are even coming close to the NFL. Uh, what do you think, though? Have you watched it all Kenny Pickett's debut and seen what he did that first game? Thoughts on you that? Yeah, I think it, it's something to be said about, you know, he felt – in control. It felt like he was in command of that offense. And so, you know, he's going to be the starter moving forward. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting with the, the slate of games they have coming up. Uh, it's it's going to get, be pretty tough in terms of the competition. Um, but, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not the biggest believer in Matt Canada. And so, you know, I think that might be something that hamstrings this offense more than anything. Uh, but we know they have talent at receiver. Uh, you know, we know that, you know, they can get the tight end worked in, in, into the mix with Friar Uh, the offensive line is, uh, not a strength for this team, especially at the tackle positions. And so, you know, Kenny Pickett will, we'll see him running quite a bit using his legs, which, you know, he did plenty at Pitt last year. So, uh, you know, it's actually on the athletic this week, we, we had our quarter of the way all rookie team and, for quarterback, we were just going to go with uh, no one uh, through the first uh, three weeks because uh, you know, no, really played, no quarterbacks yeah. have played. Yeah, uh, he uh, had what one completion or I don't know. Yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. Uh, but then Bailey Zappi and Kenny Pickett gave us a little bit of content to work with. Uh, Bailey Zappi with uh, what, one touchdown, no interceptions, mm -hmm. uh, helped uh, helped get the Patriots to overtime uh, in Lambeau. So. Uh, even though they didn't win that game, uh, you know, two rookies, Jack Jones uh, and, and Bailey Zappi, both good. of the Patriots' fourth rounders, yeah. uh, helping the the New England get to overtime in that game. So, uh, you know, it's these it, the quarterback class was so bad. <laughs> that, you know, I, I think we knew the, these quarterbacks uh, not going to be a ton of talk about uh, this early in the season. Yeah, unfortunately. Let's get to a quarterback class, though. Let's get to 2023. Quarterback class yeah. that's rumored to be much hyped. Coming up, much better at least than this past year. Maybe not as good as two years ago, but at least more talent than we saw this last year. How many guys at this point in time would you feel comfortable with drafting in the first round when it's all said and done? Whew, uh, definitely the, the top three with Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, whatever your order mm -hmm. ends up being, those three guys are first round picks. And then it just comes down to where where how do you feel about Anthony Richardson? Um, I mean, the guy's a freak show uh, athletically. Uh, he's a big, twitchy athlete. Has the build of a linebacker, but he moves like a sprinter. Very smooth stroke as a passer. Big time arm, velocity, and distance. Uh, but the, the inconsistency is just maddening. I mean, you know, he'll throw a beautiful throw on a seam bender uh, for a first down. Then the next play is an inaccurate ball on a slant where he's throwing the ball with just no pacing, no touch. Uh, so, you know, controlling ball speeds, uh, being more precise with his placement, being just consistent pre and post snap, uh, where to go with the football. Uh, that's if with Anthony Richardson, there's a lot we have to figure out with him. He still has more interceptions uh, than passing touchdowns this year. And five games in, that's just it's not encouraging. So you can see the talent. It's just trying to figure out what exactly his realistic ceiling is. It's one thing to say he's got a huge ceiling. 
because of the talent, but it's another thing to talk about realistic ceiling. Um, that's something that we're still trying to figure out week to week. But the top three guys I feel really good about. Um, you know, Bryce Young coming up with that injury, that'll be interesting, just how they how they manage that moving forward, the AC injury. Um, you know, he's a guy that is an outlier in terms of size. You know, we've seen shorter quarterbacks have success in the NFL uh, in recent years, but not in terms of his build. He's a smaller guy. And look, there are guys that are 6'4", 230 that have AC injuries. Uh, but the fact that Bryce Young and his size, that's something that will be talked about, fair or not. So, you know, not every NFL team is going to be on board with uh, drafting an outlier like that at quarterback. But, man, he's so good. Uh, it, there, there was one play against Arkansas this past weekend where, uh, you know, second and one, they run play action. Uh, the, the vertical shot's not there. Drew, Drew Sanders is right in his face. He's able to negotiate that rush, that pressure, uh, extend with his legs. And then he finds a wide open receiver on the move, nails him, hits him right in the hands, uh, and it's a drop. And it's just like – those plays happen over and over this year for him. We saw it a couple times in the Texas game where uh, Bryce Young's making plays because, uh, you know, those second reaction skills, um, his ability to improvise, those instincts from the pocket. Uh, you know, you can blitz him, uh, but he's going to tear you apart. Or you can sit back in coverage and he'll buy time and carve you up. So Bryce Young is a ton of fun. C.J. Stroud with what he's doing in that Ohio State offense, playing in rhythm, is a lot of fun. Um, you know, wish he had a little bit more of that section, uh, uh, second reaction ability that we see from Bryce Young. And that's something that's really missing, I think, from uh, his his uh, his tape that you, that you wish you would see from a first round quarterback. But his ability to layer the throw. Um, I was talking to a head coach that faced the Buckeyes this year and he was blown away by the accuracy, putting the ball wherever he wants. Um, just it's it just unfair. Uh, and then with Will Levis, you know, this. He, he can be frustrating at times, but I think that he deserves credit for the progress. Um, he's showing – he's he is seeing things a little bit quicker. Uh, we saw that over the weekend against Ole Miss on that touchdown throw to the tight end where he worked his eyes left to right, was able to find the tight end middle of the field before the linebacker, before the safety could uh, break on the ball. So when he's playing in rhythm and playing quick, uh, Will Levis, you, you can see why we're talking about him as a first-round uh, type of player, um, but there's there's still things that he's working on that he's he's coming along, and you know it, we could talk until we're blue in the face about whether or not quarterback wins is a stat. Doesn't really matter uh, because NFL teams think quarterback wins is a stat, and uh, Will Levis is 14 and four since he took over a starter at Kentucky in SEC school, so that's something that will certainly help him through the process. So you have three first round quarterbacks. How many would you say are top of the draft? You, you're sitting with the number one overall pick. That guy's there. Would you be willing to pull the trigger on in next year's draft? I think all three of those guys okay. should at least be in that discussion. You know, it, it's it, they're at least guys you're talking about uh, if you need a quarterback. And you know, I with Will Levis, if you're able to really have. Uh, you know, the foresight three years from now, and you believe that he could be the guy, because um, you're not drafting Will Levis for what he's going to give you tomorrow. You're drafting him for what he's going to be two, three years from now. Uh, you know, it's, and if you could, if you could have a, a conversation about drafting Will Levis number one and not say the words Josh Allen, <laughs> then it, maybe you take him that early. But, uh, you know, that's going to be the thing we hear a lot is, yes. you know, he's Josh, he's the next Josh Allen. And, you know, that's, it, that's, that's a lot to put on Will Levis. For me, it would come down to Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. And this is the same conversation we we had over the summer when debating uh, the top quarterback in this class. I, there's a lot to like about the, both these guys. Uh, Bryce Young, uh, even though he is an outlier, I just 
I, I come away from his tape impressed more and more just from a mental standpoint how um, how impressive he is. And, and the best way I can sum him up is he's a problem solver. It doesn't matter what you throw at him. He figures out a problem. It reminds me of uh, you know the end of, of The Martian where Matt Damon's talking to the class and, you know, uh, it's just a series of problems. You figure out a solution, you move it on to the next one, eventually you get to come home. It's the same thing with Bryce Young. It's a series of uh, problems. You come up with solution after solution, and eventually you win games. That's how they beat Texas, even though Texas was the better team that day. So uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, those, those two quarterbacks would be the conversation. Right where we are right now with what we know, those two guys would be the conversation for who would be that top pick. Love that analogy. And I feel the same way about Young. It's just like – and hearing how people talk about him that know Young also sells me on him. And that's just like everyone said, like, yeah, he's just – He's just the guy. Like he just like he's gonna get yeah. done. And it's like, okay, yeah, I tend to buy in. I do though put one more guy, at least on my board right now, in the first round conversation at the quarterback position that you haven't touched on yet that I want to hear your thoughts on. Tanner McKee of Stanford. Mm-hmm. Where do you see McKee as a prospect at the moment? I, I think he's been pretty good this year, considering there's average talent around him. Maybe that's even being nice. Uh in you look at who he's faced this year. He's faced three of the Pac-12's best uh, with USC, Washington, and Oregon. Uh, and I think he did okay in those games. Uh, not great, not enough to win, uh, but that's also because Stanford's defense is terrible. Uh, but when you when you study the tape, you see, you see touch on fades, on outs. You see accuracy on slants, middle of the field throws. Very much a rhythm passer. And, and when I studied him over the summer, I wrote down uh, a 75% version of Matt Ryan. Whatever the hell that means. Uh, so the the one area where I do worry about McKee is just the lack of those second reaction plays on tape. You know, he's not going to make rushers, uh, pass rushers miss in the pocket. Not a real rush threat. So I just think, you know, at the next level, can he do enough with his legs to buy those extra half seconds uh, where he can go make a play. That would be my, that's my biggest issue with Tanner McKee, but I do really like him. I think he's um, somewhere in the top 60 conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he's in a lot of ways, you know, the, the best version of like, say a Mike Glennon, that that tall quarterback who, uh, but like, you know, a lot more accurate and you could do more things with him. I'm not ready to put him as a slam dunk first rounder, but you know, he's in that conversation for sure. Yeah. I do need to see more like two minute, obvious past situations with him because he has crumbled on a few of those mm-hmm. over the past season and a half. All right, let's get to some other guys in the 2023 class. Who are some guys that weren't really on your radar heading into this season that all of a sudden, or, or maybe like you had watched them but weren't massive fans of, but all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, this guy is someone I need to take note of that's probably going to be a top 50 to top 75 pick. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Olu Fashanu, the you know, Penn State, they, they lost their left tackle uh, from last year, Rashid Walker, who was an okay prospect, uh, but he was drafted late. But a few games into this season, I think it's pretty clear, uh, his replacement is a pretty big upgrade. Uh, Fashanu, 6'6", 320 pounds, uh, body control, the balance, really impressive, only a handful of starts, so... The body of work isn't there just yet, uh, but the talent absolutely is. Uh, redshirt sophomore, uh, you know, we don't see a lot of tackles with that little experience leave early, but in this year's class, and it's it offensive tackle is not a great group, and so Fashanu, uh, maybe because you know he's just that he's that good, but also because of the tackle class, it's it's very underwhelming. He could be OT one in this draft, uh, so just watching his development the rest of the year that'll be big. 
the Osiris Torrance, another offensive lineman, a, a guard, you know, he could have stayed at Louisiana and still would have been a day two pick, but he follows Billy Napier to Florida and he's been playing at a really high level against better competition. People move her in the run game, uh, gets a job done in pass pro. Uh, Louisiana has done a really nice job over the last few years developing those offensive linemen. And I think Torrance, uh, the best of the group, he's better than Robert Hunt, who was drafted, what, top 40 a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, seeing him in the SEC, uh, he's put himself in that first round mix. So uh, a couple of those guys, you know, they're in the, in the first round conversation. Um, I actually have a piece coming up on The Athletic later this week where I'm talking about mid-round guys that are kind of my favorites uh, who are putting themselves uh, in maybe not in the first two rounds, but right after that, guys like uh, Luke Schoonmaker at, at Michigan. Uh, I think Eric All gets most of the attention there as the tight end for Michigan, but Schoonmaker to me is the better NFL prospect. He might be better than, uh, than Laporta as the best Big Ten uh, senior tight end at least. Uh, so Shoemaker is one of those guys. Um, it, you know, another position that I've really been searching for guys is at senior, uh, the linebacker position in the senior class. Uh, you know, Jack Campbell's a solid uh, prospect. Uh, you know, I, I love Henry To'o. 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 I just wish he was bigger and longer, uh, and then I could really put a you know a top fifty grade on him. But because he gets swallowed up so much and has trouble getting off blocks, I just I, I struggle to put him that high. One guy that's really uh, impressed me is Cam Jones at Indiana. Uh, one of the better run-defending uh, linebackers in the country, at least that I've seen up to this point. So he, he's a name that that's on my radar that maybe I, I didn't think of quite as high uh, uh, coming into the year. So uh, Illinois has got a few of those guys. I mean, Chase Brown certainly helped himself, the running back. Um, here, here's a guy to know, Quan Martin, the safety. Uh, plays mostly nickel for them. He's got some twitch. He, he did a really nice job in coverage. Um, I think he went from a PFA to now he's in that mid-round conversation. I think he's going to test really well. So, uh, you know, Illinois has got a couple guys that have uh, impressed where maybe he didn't expect that much for them coming into the year. Yeah, we'll be honest. Quan Martin is still not on my radar. I have not watched him yet. So that that's a good call out there. I, I will also say, love the Osiris Torrance shout-out because I watch, you know, his Louisiana tape, and I'm like, it's good, but this is a 350-pound yeah. guard that's like not a nimble mover. And I usually trend the other way. I like the guys who can move at the offensive line position. It hasn't really mattered at Florida. He's, he looks, his tape looks better even this year, playing against better competition. So I, I'm kind of all on board with that too. Um, let's get a little class overview though. What position groups in this class are you like, I can't find, I'm just like struggling to find talent. This is not the same as we've seen in years past. It, well, you know, it, it has to start with um, offensive tackle. Like I mentioned, uh, yeah. we see these offensive tackles go high, uh, you know, every year. The last Over the last two decades, uh, what, like 19 out of the 20 years, we've had multiple tackles go in the first round. And so it's a fair bet we're going to see multiple tackles uh, be drafted in the first round. It's just who are they going to be? And that's let's just say Peter Skaronsky uh, out of Northwest. Let's just say he's a guard for this conversation. Um Paris Johnson from Ohio State is playing, I think, pretty well at left tackle. Um, I don't know that he's really been tested up to this point yet. We'll have to see as we get deeper into Big Ten play. Uh, I mentioned Foshanu. Uh, it's been nice to see his development. Uh, he played really well uh, against Auburn in that defensive line. Derek Hall that shut him out. Um, you know, he needs to get better in the run game, but as a, in pass protection, I think Foshanu has been great. Um, and then I, I think relative to the, the most, you know, last few years, wide receiver just hasn't been – 
that class that gets you excited. Um, you know, there's there's talent, sure, uh, but you know, last year we had six guys go in the top twenty, and those guys are showing out right now in the NFL. I mean, you look at uh, what Chris Olave is top ten in the NFL in receiving yards. Uh, John Dotson is tied for the NFL lead. Uh, with Stephon Diggs in terms of uh, uh, receiving touchdowns. Uh, and that doesn't include, you know, Garrett Wilson, who's playing really well. Drake London's playing really well. Uh, you know, Traylon Burks, when he's healthy, has done some nice things. Uh, Jamison Williams, we'll see on the field eventually. So the wide receivers uh, coming off a, a really impressive class this year, and we talked about this a little bit offline, just how it's it's hard to find guys that get you really excited. I mean, I, I love Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, but – I, I, Twitter loves him more. I mean, they, I think they expect him to be that next top 10 receiver. And that's just, I don't think that's just who he is. He's not a, a number one uh, in the NFL. He, he's a nice player, but um, it's just hard to f uh, find receivers that get you really jacked up. Yeah, I, I agree on both those call outs. What, what about the flip side of the coin? What's a position group in this class that uh, is probably better than your average run of the mill class? Uh, well, I mean, the quarterbacks, low-hanging fruit, just anything would have been better than what we had last year. Um, we we talked, touched on those guys. I think that, you know, running back is going to be a pretty good year. We could see three or four running backs drafted top 40, top 45, top 50. Uh, you know, Bijan Robinson's a true first-round player, a guy that can stay on the field all three downs. Um, it, you know, I think a lot of the things that we said about Zeke coming out uh, out of Ohio State, I think we'll be saying a lot of those same things about – uh, Bijan Robinson. Um, and then, you know, Jamar Gibbs, with he's doing at Alabama. Uh, Devin A-Chain at A&M. I mean, A-Chain, he, he's really interesting because he's 185 pounds. At least that's what he's listed at. Uh, you know, we'll eventually get the official weight. So it, guys like that, you don't really see make these big plays at the running back position in the NFL, especially uh, go early. But if he can get up to 190, 195, you know, C.J. Spiller was a top 10 pick at one time uh, at 195 pounds. Uh, you think of Chris Johnson coming out of East Carolina, another speed guy. And that's exactly what Devin A. Chain is. And I, I give him a lot of credit because when you think of a, a sprinter, you just think of straight line speed. Guys that when they make cuts, it takes, you know, they need a moment to collect themselves and, and to read. And, and that's not what Devin A. Chain, he makes these sharp on a dime cuts that, you know, read, cut, go. It's just, it's not a lot of thinking involved. It's very natural for him. Uh, and, and a guy that has shown he could be an inside runner, uh, at least uh, up to this point this season. So, uh, and then, you know, I throw Zach Evans in there as well uh, at Ole Miss. So, the running back position, I, I think, is uh, pretty deep. And that's not including some of these, you know, Blake Corum, Sean Tucker, some of these seniors, you know, Kenny McIntosh from, from Georgia, um, you know, Charbonnet from UCLA. So, I think running back class is pretty good. And then, uh, but if we're talking, the, you know, just the top position, it all starts on the defensive line, both on the edge and then inside a defensive tackle. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think, would say the top two players in this class, defensive line uh, guys, Will Anderson on the edge, Jalen Carter in the middle, and Jalen Carter's got a knee. So, uh, you know, he's going to be out the next few weeks. And really, he hasn't played much the last, uh, really since the Oregon game in the opener, which he looked good. But then he had uh, an MCL injury. And so the last few weeks, just haven't seen much of him. Uh, but I still think, you know, obviously the talent is there. We've seen enough of Jalen Carter to know what he is. Um, and then you think about last year, defensive tackle might have been the worst position in last year's class. At least it was up there. This year, it could be among one of the better mm -hmm. uh, positions with Jalen Smith, Brian Brzee, uh, you know, big fan of Ika, uh, Siaka Ika at Baylor, Gervon Dexter at Florida. Uh, Mozzie Smith is starting to really uh, live up to some of the hype. Uh, you know, I mean, he was number one on Bruce Feldman's 
freaks list. And so that certainly vaulted him up there, at least in terms of name recognition. But, uh, you know, watching just watching his tape against Maryland, he was playing out, out of his mind. He played really well. So um, plenty of name, plenty of these names on the defensive line. Uh, guys will be talking about high in the draft next year. Yeah, in my mock drafts that came out uh, today, he went – I had 12 defensive linemen over a third of the first round. Wow. Because I, it's like – it's one, it's a strong position. And then, as you said, yeah. there are some traditionally deep positions that go in the first round tackle. Wide receiver that just – I don't think there's a ton of talent here this year. All right, I, I had a couple questions. Wanted to get into call this game either or. So we're going to do about your kind of scouting process, about different positions. Yeah. Would you rather have this in a passer or that in a passer? We're going to do quarterback, running back, wide receiver, a bunch of different positions. What you would rather have from a traits perspective. So uh, from a quarterback, all things, all other things being equal, would you rather have a raw passer who's an elite athlete? So say like the Josh Allen, but not, mm -hmm. you know, or a guy who's an elite processor, but a no mobility. Everything else equal, equal arm strength, equal accuracy. That's, and that, that is, Probably the ultimate question right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, mobility has become such a big part of the quarterback position in the NFL and what it can mean for your uh, for the position. Um, but it, you know, it all starts between the ears. You know, that that's uh, it, it's it's hard to do it do this in a vacuum. Uh, but I you know, because yeah. obviously a Josh Allen could become a Josh Allen. Um, but more times than not, those guys don't become Josh Allen, and so. I think I would rather lean towards the guy that had little to no mobility, which, you know, the the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's, the guys that aren't going to give you a ton of production with their legs, but can move around just enough. Um, even though this isn't 1995, I'd probably still lean that way just because, again, it it all starts between the years for the quarterback position. It's, it's interesting. We haven't had a lot of, like, true statues come out in a while, though, right? A, a quarterback? Yeah. Like, guys who, like, really can't move. I feel like the last time I'm trying to think of the last time we were, there was one who was drafted highly who was just like not going to ever break the pocket. I'm really thinking, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I mean C.J. Stroud this year. I mean he can he move. Doesn't. He's not a bad yeah, athlete, yeah. but he's he's he just doesn't look confident at all. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, picking up yards if they're there, or uh, you know, those second reactions. That's something we'll talk about quite a bit with C.J. Stroud. Not that he's a statue, but that he's just not as comfortable creating with his legs. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll go to the running back position. Would you rather a guy who's 200 pounds but runs in the four threes or is 225 pounds who runs a four five five? Everything else equal. Uh, how, how, what was the weight for the first for the Two, four three 200, running back? 200, four three five forty. 225 pounds, four five five forty. Yeah, I'm taking the speed. Um, I mean, really, running back speed is probably down the list in terms of what you're looking for. I mean, you're, you're, you want vision, instincts, contact balance. Um, but if all things are equal, give me the faster guy. And, you know, I, I think we, there are plenty of running backs that are, you know, doing good things at the NFL level that are, uh, you know, around 200 pounds, guys like Devin Singletary. And, um, you know, that, that'll be the conversation we have with uh, some of these guys this year with yeah. Jamar Gibbs and uh, Devin A-Chain. You know, we already talked about that. So I'd, Give me the guy with, because uh, usually, not always, but usually long speed. If we're talking about a four three guy, that means that he's got burst. He's getting yes. uh, through that that uh, the first ten yards are going to be pretty impressive as well. And so, give me the guy that's got that initial burst, um, and even if he is a little bit lighter than you want at the position. Yeah, not a lot of running backs two hundred pounds making the NFL. Pretty much all of them 
though, to right. run four threes. You know, Philip Lindsay, I think it was the last sub 200 pound thousand yard rusher, and it's like he ran the four threes. So that's that is kind of what it takes. All right, let's move on to wide receiver. Would you rather have a high end route runner who's an average athlete or an elite athlete who's an average route runner? Hmm. And that's that's what we're talking about with Smith and Jigba because I don't he's yeah. he's an average athlete you know he's he's probably going to run in the mid four fives um, you know you can throw on the tape last year and see a, a Brandon Smith a linebacker at Penn State chase him down uh, you know it's something that uh, but he's he's so good at getting open he's so good at uh, you know creating his, he knows how to leverage coverage and find those soft spots and you know the chemistry he develops with the quarterbacks um, you know. It, CJ Stroud called him and you know mind you CJ Stroud playing with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson he called Smith and Jigba the best route runner he's ever thrown to so that I mean, obviously that's something so um you know I, I that's tough that's really tough I mean, give me an example of <laughs> who, right. someone you're you're talking about who you know an elite athlete but uh, like a below average route runner I feel like Jamar Chase was close to that, right? Like he wasn't anything special from a route runner. I, I think that's maybe like the Devontae Smith versus Jamar Chase, right? Was that kind of mm. the debate coming out? Devontae, not necessarily an elite athlete by any means, but yeah. definitely an elite route runner. Whereas Jamar right. was the high end athlete, but it's like, yeah, hey, can he get off press? Can he run the full tree? Whatever. So probably a little, I'd say he was still probably a little better route runner than I'm probably even talking about here, but. Something in that range. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who's. Yeah, who's and that's and, and that's tough. Yeah, because that's in the NFL. Obviously, so much you know. And usually, why receiver usually takes so long? Uh, at least, I mean, it hasn't been the trend lately. But why receiver traditionally took a little bit longer for yeah. you know rookies to to play and to be productive is just getting the timing right and being on the same page. And it just it, it's just such an adjustment from college to the NFL that. Uh, you know, you want those route runners, um, but more and more as teams uh, put their offenses, uh, form their offenses around these receivers, we're seeing guys, even, you know, the guys that aren't the elite route runners, guys that don't create space for themselves uh, consistently uh, based off of, you know, nuance and what they're doing with their routes. Uh, they're still able to be productive because of, uh, you know, what the offenses are doing. So, that's a really tough one. Um, I, I I would lean towards uh, the better athlete, and you know you you kind of uh, you know work you know improve the route running as you go along. Um, but that that that's a tough one. Yeah, that's maybe like Quentin Johnston's maybe like a better example of elite mm. athlete, average yeah. route runner. So that one's I, I agree though. That one's very much a case by case. It's always hard. There's because wide receiver play. There's just so much that goes into it that it's hard to like right. Hard to keep everything else even at the wide receiver position. All right, let's get to offensive line. Would you rather have elite play strength for an offensive lineman? We'll say we'll say an offensive tackle here, or elite mm -hmm. feet, elite agility and feet for an offensive lineman. Um, I would probably have to lean um, the second. Uh, you know, because it, it all starts from the ground up um, with uh, with offensive line, and obviously you need play strength. Uh, that's 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 part of it. If you don't have play strength, you're not going to last very long. Uh, but if you don't have the lower body, then eh, you're not going to last long either. So that's that's a tough one. Um, I, I think you know I, I would probably take the the feet, but you know what? One guy that uh, maybe didn't have the best feet in the world, uh, Jamar Sawyer, who 
I that was the biggest difference between where a player was drafted and where he ultimately or where I had him ranked and where he was ultimately drafted. It was like difference of 141 picks. Yeah. Uh, I had him as a, a second round, a late second round grade. He was drafted in the sixth round. He gets on the field this past weekend, uh, left tackle for the Chargers, and uh, you know even though yeah he's got the the narrow steps and um, you know not you know there's a reason he's being projected as a guard. Uh, he he it was almost perfect in pass protection. It was really impressive. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I I say I want the feet, I want the lower body, but, you know, a guy like Sawyer is kind of the opposite of that, where he's got the play strength. And I mean, he's not a bad athlete. He's not Mm a deficient athlete. But it's, I wouldn't say it's the the strength of his game. Yeah, he's probably like elite play strength, average athlete kind of guy. So that he had injury red flags though, right? I was I think I was told afterwards that he had something that dropped him down to the six because his tape was was not six. Some of the guys getting drafted no. before him were not were not holding the candle to his tape. So uh, let's go to yeah. the defensive line, uh, edge position. Would you rather have a guy who already has an elite set of pass rushing moves? with an ideal frame, but is an average athlete or a guy who is an elite athlete with an ideal frame who doesn't really have any pass rushing moves yet? Yeah, that's it. And this is, all these questions are great because it really makes you think about, um, it, it challenges you to think about traits versus technique. You know, it's like guys that understand, uh, you know, how to play football and the guys that are just, super athletes that you can teach to play football. Um, and, you know, you, we can give examples of both, right, of guys that were these athletic phenoms who were able to develop into guys, mm-hmm. or maybe the other way, guys that were a little deficient uh, in terms of being the top athlete, but they understand how to break down the rhythm of blockers and get to the quarterback and be disruptive. So um, at the end of the day, I think I would lean more towards, uh, you know, the – probably the technical approach. Um, and, and I mean, I'll probably regret that in about five minutes, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like you're, you're Jason Oway or, you know, it, yeah, it's, it, it, it's tough. It, it, you, you could really go either way with that one. Yeah. I do feel like the hand, like the elite set of moves, you got a floor, right. you, have, you have a higher floor than the guy with the elite frame and maybe just like no moves. All right. Last one here. And I'll let you go. It, here. It, is that Aiden Hutchinson versus David Ajabo? I mean, it's kind of like, uh, and Hutch didn't have the so, length, though. He was kind of he still had the frame that concerns, right? The odd right, like, six, right. seven, 32 inch arms, which like is a weird mm. build for an edge. So I'm trying to think who that right. w- would more be. Maybe like, uh, uh, gosh, I can't think of it at the top of my head. It's coming to mind. All right, let's get to the last one here cornerback position. Mm-hmm. Either or, would you rather have elite length in the corner with average speed or elite speed with average length? I'm a speed guy at the position. Um, you know, length matters. There's no doubt. Uh, it, both in terms of pressing and, and jamming a guy, uh, you know, uh, being able to make up that phase, uh, and then at the catch point, obviously. But give me, give me the speed. Give me, you know, I'm a sucker for uh, the top athletes at corner guys. That because it to me, it's like it's like a dance. You know, being able to cover in space. Um, you know, a guy like like Marcus Jones last year from Houston. A big fan of his, even though he's just a smaller guy, doesn't have the length that you want. Um, so I, I will, when it comes to corner, I, I you know, a lot of, it, it depends on the scheme you're running, obviously, and what you're, you're asking them to do. But more times than not, I'm taking the speed, the the top athlete, the guy that I know I could just throw him out there. And if he does give up a completion, it's, it's going to be, you know, contested. It's going to be tight. Because of that athleticism. Yeah, I've come around to that myself because 
I just think in today's NFL, the amount of guys who can like pre-read stuff and the amount of guys who, yeah. who have that like ability to jump routes and that sort of thing, it's just so few. Like it's hard to get tendencies on opposing offenses that you got to be able to make up. You got to be able to make yeah. up ground. And I think the lead speed is why. All right, Dave, they appreciate the time so much. Do you have anything coming up here soon that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, yeah, we're right down on the athletic, uh, got our quarter of the way, all rookie team. Uh, it was interesting to put together some names that, you know, you didn't really expect, but you know, they played well, especially on the offensive line. I thought that was interesting. Um, and then, I've, you know, my, my weekly dra- uh, draft watch feature, I've got, uh, 10 names that are, it, you know, they won't be drafted first two rounds, but uh, players that are in that mid-round conversation, uh, names that, you know, draft sickos like, you know, you and you and me, uh, you know, need to have on the radar and are watching pretty closely. Awesome. Really, really appreciate the time, Dane. Thanks so much, man. Hey, Tom. Thanks, Mike.